Welcome to Make It Count, proudly presented by Bendigo Bank, the podcast that's here to help with family finance. I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy, and we are from Two Peas in a Podcast. Join us as we share our real experiences and get helpful tips from experts along the way. As always, this episode contains general information only and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. Hello and welcome to another episode of Make It Count. On today's episode, we spoke with Julia Newbold. Julia is the Managing Editor at Money Magazine and co-host of the Friends With Money podcast. I really enjoyed talking to her, Kate. So did I. And when I said to friends, I'm just talking to the editor of Money Money Magazine, (laughs) they were very impressed. I know. (laughs) I think our conversation with her is so well-timed as we go through the pandemic and we're faced with unexpected changes and challenges. It really has been quite a journey for both of us. It really has. And as a small business owner myself, I've learned a lot Mm. these last 12 months about Mm. the need to be prepared for the unexpected and to be financially ready for anything. I mean, and having a family on top of that, it's actually good to have a plan. I think I needed more plans. Yeah. I am sure many of you guys are in the same boat. The last 18 months have brought so many changes with them that have impacted people financially and it's hard to know what steps to prepare yourself for something like that. I know I wasn't ready. Yeah. To find out more about safeguarding our families for the unexpected and being financially ready, we asked Julia about what unexpected Mm. challenges people face that can come with financial surprises. And how can we prepare for life's curveballs? I remember we said to her, we had twins. Yes, big curveball. That's a big curveball. <laughs> uh, Julia also explains the importance mm. of your superannuation, your income protection insurance, and how you can adapt to changes in your life by making smarter decisions by doing your research. Yes, and I probably have just joined whatever super I joined when I was, you know, 15 or yes. I don't know when we had to get super, probably a bit later. I definitely had it when I got a job at uni yep. and I still have that super account. So it was yeah. really interesting that we can do our own research when it comes to that. Definitely. I'm glad we had this opportunity to talk with Julia as I really learned a lot and feel so much more confident about my approach to understanding my financial position and where I can make changes. Yeah, and me too. And with all that said, it's time to hit play on our awesome conversation mm-hmm. with Julia Newbold so our listeners can make it count. Hi, Julia. Hi, thank you for having me today. Oh, we're super excited to speak to you. We've never spoken to anyone from a money magazine no, before. No, we have not. So, <laughs> so we're going to learn a lot from you today. We really are. So we're going to jump right in. And we've got a question that really resonates with our community, and I think it resonates with a lot of people, and it is, what are some of the unexpected challenges people face that catch them by surprise financially? Well, I guess some of the unexpected expenses were, say, last year if people lost their jobs or they were Mm. put on hold or they lost shifts, that kind of thing where you're not getting the income that you're expecting, that happened pretty suddenly for people. And for the states that were opened and went into the shock lockdown again this year, the same thing. Another one of those events might be a divorce, a relationship split, that's areas that you're never really expecting. Mm. And I guess when it comes to those times, it's hard to prepare then. It's got to be, you've got to have some sort of preparation in place beforehand. And so how can we best prepare for some of life's curveballs? 
one of the things is to always have an understanding of what your financial position is. So whether you're single or with a partner, to have an idea of what you both own, what you both owe, what your monthly expenses might be, what comes up in certain months that you need to be prepared for, just so that you always have an, you know, an overview and an idea of what your position is. And although one person will always, you know, take the lead in a relationship and, you know, be looking after the money, both people should be across it. And when you're in a relationship, you know, in case one of the people in the relationship has an issue like a gambling problem or a drinking problem or something Mm. like that, that might be costing money as a couple, you need to be across that. So you both got to be aware of what's going in and out of the bank accounts. Mm. So true. And I think sometimes I'll speak for myself when my children were really little and I was really busy and sort of just surviving, I probably wasn't on top enough of what was happening in our financials. Definitely. Yeah. So it really is something that we need to just even once a week take 10 minutes and go, oh, let's have a look and see where everything's heading. Yeah. I mean, some people do it at the end of the month when you get the credit card statements and so yep. on. That's a good time to have a look and think, well, how come that happened this month or mm. or whatever. Mm. And then the other thing that we really learned from last year is to always have an emergency fund. And I think that really fell away for most people over the past decade or so because we hadn't really seen troubled times. So, yes. you know, everyone talks about having great savings, but you're kind of thinking, well, what for? Like I can put that aside and that's going into my car account or that's going into the holiday fund. And we didn't realise that emergency savings were actually for emergencies. Mm. <laughs> I think you're so right. And like leading in from that, what has the impact of COVID been, do you think, on family finances? It's been interesting for us at Money Magazine because we've found that the readership and the interest in finances has really increased over the Mm. past year or so. People are paying a lot more attention to their finances, some of them because they have to, because they've got reduced earnings, Mm. and some people just because they've got more time and there's just more out there to learn about. I think when the government made the rules that you could take money out of your superannuation Mm. if you really needed that, that really changed things for a lot of people. A lot of people at the beginning took the money out because they kind of panicked and thought, well, I might need it. So while this window's open, I'll take advantage of it. And then the good side of that, I guess, well, obviously the bad side is if your super's gone down, but the good side is I think that it made people realise that super is your money. Mm. It's kind of brought it together a little bit more than it has for a long time. And then there's been a lot of articles and people talking about, you know, putting the money back into your super when it's possible. So there was that. I think if you didn't lose your job or shifts, then it didn't really have a great impact on you. Like I know people who have been completely unaffected with the whole of COVID financially, but then other people have been completely ruined. You know, if you had a small business, the likeliness of that surviving two lockdowns or three or however many you've gone through, that's been quite heartbreaking to see. And, you know, when you've got a small business and you might think that you've diversified your product range and you're doing everything you can, and then something completely beyond your control takes it out, that's been quite devastating to see. Mm. Yeah. Mandy and I live in Melbourne, so we have a lot of lived experience with that. I run my own small business, which has been locked down six times now. So for me that I really learned the money that I thought was a buffer was not a buffer. Yeah. I needed more of a buffer than I had ever dreamed. Mm. So anyway, we didn't ever imagine a pandemic. No. (laughs) So no. still, it's been a real life lesson. It has. And I think this has affected more people than anything that we've seen before, but it's a little bit similar to the GFC and to other downturns. If you'd kept your job through that, then had very little impact on you and you might not have even noticed that things have happened. Yes. Mm, That's so, so true. Yes. Talking about superannuation, how can our super help protect us and our families? 
The idea of super really is that it's a tax effective vehicle to have savings. The younger you start putting money into it, the better it has at increasing over time and the benefits of compound interest are amazing. But you try talking to really young people about super and it's so boring and it's so far away and it's really hard to engage. But when you look at some of the modelling that's been done and how little you need to put away each week as a 20-year-old as compared to a 30, 40 and 50-year-old, it becomes a little bit more compelling. And when I talk to people now and I say, what's the one thing you wish you knew when you were younger? And invariably, it's about putting money into super. And, you know, I'm guilty of of it too. I used to think, well, you know, it's so far away and you never know what government rules will change. Mm. And, you know, when will I ever be able to access it and can I trust it and so on. But, you know, as you get closer, that's when you start paying attention. I distinctly remember my dad having to start putting super in when the compulsory rule came in and he was talking about it. And I was like, I'm young, I'm starting to work, I'm putting it in already. But I remember him having to make that active decision. Mm. Yeah. And it was quite different. Like depending on what age group you're in, if you were working already and it wasn't compulsory, you know, during your working life and suddenly you had this money, you really looked at it as a bonus because it was going in as something that you hadn't seen before. But we kind of take it a little bit more for granted because it has been there all our lives. Yes. Yes. And with superannuation, what would you say to people who maybe take two or three years off for maternity leave? Like how does that work? Yeah, it is a really tough one because to put money aside when you might already be struggling, it's quite Mm -hmm. an ask. If you have a partner who can spare the money to put it in, that's great. There are some workplaces who will contribute to your super during your mat leave. That's a great benefit at the moment Mm -hmm. and perhaps that will become more common, but it is a really tough one. And I hate to suggest that women have to take responsibility for it. It makes it doubly unfair, but maybe knowing that you're going to have that time off to start early and put Mm. the money aside, you know, where the government gets involved and gives women some sort of benefit to put money aside earlier that they are allowed or that they're allowed to make up for it in later years, which, Mm. you know, at this stage we're not. Should we be making personal contributions to our superannuation? If you can, yeah, it's always a good idea. You know, we've got the $25,000 limit that you can put in each year, concessional contributions, and if you can put in a little bit more than your normal income, that's great. One of the workplaces I worked in, as you started the new job, they would take an extra 3% and put it into your super for you, and if you didn't want that, you opted out. But for a lot of people, you didn't notice it for a while. And then when you did notice, you thought, well, actually, it hasn't really affected me. I can afford to keep doing it. So, Mm. you know, if workplaces do that, that's a great idea as well. And are there any tax offsets? There is a tax benefit with super because it's only being taxed at 15%. So depending what your rate of tax is, it is a lot better to put that money into super. So, you know, it's just like any other investment, really, that you're still investing in shares or whatever it is, but you're getting the tax benefits when it comes to super. And there are other offsets like low income earners offset, and then there's partners contribution and so on. So there are other opportunities. And should we consolidate our superannuation? That's a tough one. Everybody says yes, because it will lower fees, but it's really important that if you are going to consolidate your super, that you do check the benefits that you have with each fund. And particularly when it comes to insurance, you need to make sure that you're going to have the same benefits if you change or consolidate. Because if you started one when you were very young and you're in some sort of good plan where it's giving you great insurance, then you don't really want to change it and lose that. Ah, so what insurance cover can you get with superannuation? So you'll get obviously life and death cover, 
you get TPD and trauma, and then you can get income protection. And it depends what industry you're in and what super fund and how much you're paying. Sometimes it's better to have your insurances outside. If workplaces are paying some of it, they might be paying maybe a couple of years of your income protection. Then you might need to cover beyond that two years if you can't work. I think out of all the areas of finance, when you're looking at your insurance, that is the best time to engage a professional because it's a very complex area and it's changing so much. And even in the last couple of years, mental health has had a great impact on that. So the benefits have changed quite considerably and the cost of insurance has changed as well. Talking to someone who works in that area day in and day out is the best advice I would give. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because I'm like, well, I don't know what to look out for. No. When I'm, (laughs) you know. No, absolutely. And, you know, men and women will face different pricing at different times, depending what the insurance company sees are the most likely events that might happen in your life. And there's just little things that you might not realize that it won't pay for certain things. And then, you know, you you need to just check also what insurance you do have. And for a lot of group insurance and insurance that you get through your super fund, you've got to make sure that if you're a non-smoker, you're not paying the rates for a smoker because that can be quite considerable as well. Okay. So this is going to sound really basic, but what is income protection? So income protection is for when you can't work because of illness. So, you know, typically you're in a job and you've got sick leave and you might have some problem that means that you're not going to be able to work beyond when that sick leave cuts out. The income protection will pay you a monthly benefit for a period, you know, whatever you've nominated for, which is typically 75% of your income. And you'll have to be justified that you can't work. And they try and rehabilitate you because it's obviously best for your health that you can work again, but it will pay out to a maximum typically of age 65. Although I have heard that there are policies which can go further than that. But if you can't pay your mortgage, then what happens? So it's so important that you do cover your income because it's your greatest asset really. Mm. And when you look at, you know, we cover our houses, our cars, et cetera. But, you know, you can't fund any of those if you don't have an income. So that seems to be an essential. And when you talk to younger people who might not have dependents and might not have property and you think, okay, but if you can't pay your rent, do you really want to move back with your parents or is that even an option? So I think it's an area to definitely look into, especially if you're used to a high income and you've got high expenses. None of us can survive without money. No. If we have insurance and we die, what are we insured for? It varies. It varies like which fund you're with, how much you've agreed to. You know, a lot of industry funds, I think, will have it on a unit basis. So basically, you want to be able to cover your debts. If you have a family and a partner and you've got a mortgage, you want to make sure that is covered and your family doesn't have to downgrade their life because you're not there. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone's got to pick up looking after the kids and funding Mm -hmm. school fees and whatever, you want to make sure that they've got that kind of money to do that. You don't really want them to have to sell the house. So typically, people will insure for the value of their debts for life insurance heard a few good anecdotes from financial advisors who say that when you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about yourself and your partner, think about it from the other person's point of view. Like if your partner dies, what position do you want to be left in? What will you need to keep going? I know when I was working out my life insurance, I worked out how much it would cost to have a nanny or someone pick up my children from school until my husband finished work. And I added that in because I just thought, well, he's going to have to keep working the same hours and my work finishes at four so that I can pick up the children. So how can I have an insurance policy that works for me? And I was just so surprised. They were like, oh yeah, okay, well, we'll add this in. I was like, oh, it's actually quite easy. Yeah. 
And it is quite easy to do, but you kind of need that advice because, Mm. you know, you obviously thought of that, but not everyone's going to think Mm. of that. And a lot of men don't think about that when they're covering for their wives. They think, well, I'm not earning that much. And so they forget that that how much will it cost to replace the unpaid labour. Yes. (laughs) Priceless. Um (laughs) Yeah. Priceless, we are. Can you get paid for the mental load? Yes. (laughs) Let's get that in a policy. No, I think that's where professionals come in. You know, you come mm. in and they ask those really straight, horrible mm. questions. Well, yeah. you know, what will happen to the kids if you die and who will look after them and how much will it cost to get those babysitters and nannies and so on? Because, you know, often we don't think about that because it's not what we do day to day. I don't think people realise that about financial advisors. They have a great personal relationship with you to bring out some of those questions. Yeah. And even when you talk to a lawyer about stuff, you put your will together and so on. They come with so many scenarios that you've never thought of yourself. Yes. Yes. So, so true. What should we be aware of when it comes to home contents and car insurance? I guess it's that we're keeping up with the times. You know, if the value of your contents goes up, make sure that you're covered for that. Or if you buy certain things and it brings that value up, you know, make sure that you're including it in your policy. Or if the rebuild of your home is going to cost more mm-hmm. than that, then you've got to make sure that that's covered as well. And I guess you've always got to look at where you live and whether you're covered for whatever it is that your area might be susceptible to, whether that's flooding or bushfires and whatever. Just make sure that you're always checking it, that things don't change that you haven't really noticed. And I know my brother's a builder and he said in the last year, the cost of building has gone way up. So even quotes that he did a year ago no longer hold. So probably we should all think about our insurance when it comes to that, because if we do have to rebuild half the house, it's probably not going to be covered. Mm. Yeah. And it's so expensive. You know, we've got all this insurance, but it would be so much more expensive if we had to pay for whatever it is ourselves. Mm. Mm. And do you think they should all be together, like your home contents, your car? Like, should it be one policy? If it makes financial sense, yeah. If You often get a lot of good deals if you bundle it, so that can be a good idea. But still, you've got to make sure that whoever you go with does give whatever the advantages are that others might. Yep, yep. What does comprehensive insurance entail? So if you're looking at a car and you're looking at comprehensive insurance, it covers you for any damage for your vehicle, for someone else's vehicle, for a person that you might injure, for something that might happen to your car, an accident or vandalism or anything like that. When you first get your license and you're just so trying to cover the insurance, like I'll just get in in Victoria, I'll just get third party. I'll just get enough that if I hit someone else, I'm covered. Yeah, it's like $230. What? I know. You know, when you're 18. (laughs) Yeah, it's the price to play, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it really is. Oh, we had to have it. The I other day, the I had was like, a, you have to have it. Oh, yeah, a yeah. stone chip on my windscreen, and they said I had to replace the whole windscreen. I was like, oh my goodness. And then I looked at my insurance, aha, all covered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are a few little things to look at like that, you know, mm. with the windscreen and, you know, they try and upsell you on stuff, but some of it is really worthwhile. And even with home insurance, you know, you have that motor burnout insurance so that if your fridge or your washing machine or something breaks, then you can claim on that as well. And people don't necessarily know what they have. So it's always worth checking, you know, if you've mm. got a leak that you suddenly develop in your home or if that's a sudden leak, then you're covered for that. If it's something that's developed over time, you probably probably not covered, but it's all really a complex area. It's a little bit boring, but, you know, the things that we've got. (laughs) I didn't know you could get a new fridge with some insurance, though. did I. I mean, when you're in the pits of, you know, you've only got one income or imagine if your insurance would cover it. And it feels like a critical thing when your fridge dies or your washing machine. Or the dishwasher. Yeah. 
And I have heard of policies that if, you know, something does happen to your fridge, then you're covered for the food that might have gone off as well. Yes, I think that happened with when we lost power down here in Melbourne. And a lot of people were claiming that because it went for weeks. Yes. Mm. I think that also the power companies gave us some money. Oh, did they? Okay. But yeah, that's true. I just had never thought of looking at those sort of things. And I think sometimes when you've just moved into a house, you're so frantic to just make sure you've done the insurance and you haven't really looked at, yeah, what's on the the list. Mm. And if you've, you know, made a claim on your insurance and typically you pay your excess and then you pay an extra premium the next year, Mm. well, a lot of people will change insurers at that point because it makes financial sense. But you've just got to make sure that you're getting the same benefits when you do change insurers. Mm. And when you change, is there like a three-month window or from that day are you covered? Pretty much it's from that day, but you need to, again, check the policies. You know, I think health insurance varies sometimes, you know, how they cover you for certain things. Mm, but it depends mm. how desperate everyone is for business, I guess, what the <laughs> deals are at the time. Some things are expected and th- some things are unexpected. Divorce can be both. Do you have any tips for people who it may have been thrust upon them or they're contemplating it? Yeah, well, you know, when it comes to divorce, typically one person is much more prepared than the other person because they've initiated it. Apart from the practical sense of what you need to do, there's the emotional side of it that you're in shock if you're the one who's not expecting it and you've got to navigate through that. I think the best things to do is to keep calm if you can, make note of what you need to do to see a professional as soon as possible so that they can guide you through what the steps might be. And this is why it's always important to know you know, your finances and know your position. Mm. For me, I think it's important to have your own account so you've got some access to money at any time. It's also important to have a credit card that's in your name because if you haven't been working for a while and your credit card is under your partner's name and then you split up, then it's hard to get a new credit card and to get credit as well. Right. So I think you've always got to be aware of what might happen. And we've talked a lot about insurance and, you know, the things that you're going to claim for insurance are very unlikely, Mm. but they're likely enough that you want to be insured for them. And divorce is one of those things that the odds are are not great that you're going to stay with your partner forever. So Mm. you need to have a bit of awareness of what will happen. That's really true. And I think for me, no one has ever said to me, if you get divorced, do you have this or do you have that? Whereas all these other things in my life, people have loved to give me random advice yes. about. Yes, <laughs> it's a hidden discussion. Well, you don't want to plan for it because you don't no. want it to fail, no. you, you mm. know, but there is the reality that if something does happen, how are you going to fund yourself? And that, mm. you know, mm. means that you've also got to keep connected in the workforce and you've always got to have your eye on well, what happens if, you know, I have to change jobs or I have to earn more money or whatever it is. So there's a lot to navigate when it comes to relationship breakdowns and talking to a professional as soon as you know that something's happening so that you can figure out what your next steps are is really important because Mm. at least they're logical and they're also removed from the emotion of it all. A different topic. What are the common mistakes you see people make when it comes to managing their money? Is there like the top three big doozies? Well, actually, when it comes to relationships and, you know, managing money, it's not having conversations about money Mm. and letting things build up. Like when I've spoken to people and, you know, to find out how they do manage money in a relationship, when people have the money talks, it's not necessarily about money. It's usually about values and what people want out of their relationship and what you're saving for and what you think is important. That brings you together as a couple a bit more. I guess the other mistakes that people make with money is just not to do anything with it, to sort of Mm. ignore it and to figure it will figure itself out. Mm. So, you know, not to get started on something is not a good thing. 
A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called The Joy of Money. I wrote it with Kate McCallum, a financial advisor. And what we focused on was, you know, as women, we always feel so guilty that we've done something wrong Mm, and then mm. we don't want to face it. And we kind of feel embarrassed that, you know, you don't want that mistake to have been brought up. So we kind Mm. of ignore it and we don't tackle it. And we've said, well, forget that, you know, just start today. Just forget whatever's happened in the past. Doesn't really matter. You can't change it. So just start something today. Just focus on a small thing, whether it's your superannuation first or, you know, getting your utility bills in order, whatever it is, just do a little thing and do it soon. And then you sort of start the progression. Oh, that's Mm. great advice. It reminds me of Mandy's favorite quote from Tomorrow is fresh with no mistakes in it from Anne of Grand Gables. Excellent. I I think we can all learn something from Anne. I will take that. (laughs) One last question. Are there free resources or government websites that people should be aware of when managing their finances? Like if money's tight for you but you want to get some advice, is there any free advice? ASIC's Money Smart website is very helpful. That has great resources on different types of investment, superannuation and everything like that. And we've got a free newsletter with money. So, you know, sign up to moneymag.com.au and you'll get information each week twice. Well, we have learned a lot from you today. Oh, I really have. Yes. <laughs> this is why they're asking people who don't know a lot about money. That's right. To interview people who do know a lot yes, about money. <laughs> Julia, thank you so very much. Yeah, well, it's good you. for both of us. It <laughs> is. Is there any last minute, like your number one tip or something you'd like to give families who are listening to this podcast? I guess it's just to pay attention to your finances and to just get the best deals across the board, whatever it is, whether it's for your utilities, for your insurance, make sure you are insured and make sure that you know what your asset position is at all times so that if you do have some unexpected problem, you don't necessarily go into panic mode because you know that you are maybe ahead in the mortgage or that you do have money squirreled away somewhere or you know you know how to get it. So I think that kind of knowledge also gives you a sense of calm when you do have some sort of issue. Terrific advice. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. My pleasure. Kate, what did you think? Did you enjoy talking to Julia? I really did. She provided a lot of clarity on those things that I'm sure that Mm. have been on our minds over the last 18 months. And you know what else? It really put things into perspective Mm. for me. And just hearing Julia talking about researching insurance. researching income protection. It was just really interesting. And the fact that all of those could give us little savings that actually could add up to big savings over the year. What else do you think really stood out to you, Kate? Well, what really stood out to me was something that I'd been thinking about in the back of my mind, but hearing her say it was really powerful. And that was that if you take time off to have children and you're not getting maternity leave for that time, you're not earning superannuation. And where does that leave working parents, whether it's the mother or the father? And the fact that she said, just talk to your partner, talk to the person who's working and say, we have to split the superannuation for this time. Yeah. Like, I had never thought Me about either. that. either. And I have a lot of friends whose partners have a lot more superannuation than them. And I know that especially for women in our community with disabled children, a lot of them don't work full time. That's right. So why should they sacrifice that financial future for that? So that really, really impacted me. Yeah. Well, everybody, make sure you tune in next week as we talk to the amazing Canna Campbell. Yes. About finding room in your family budget to be able to live your dream lifestyle. I loved Canna. I can't wait to make it count again next week. We'll see you then, everyone. Thanks for listening to Make It Count. If you enjoyed this episode, 
be sure to subscribe for future episodes. Leave a review letting us know what you enjoyed most. This also helps others find the podcast. This podcast is proudly produced by Bendigo Bank. As always, this episode contains general information only and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situations or needs.